Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Selective Hearing. I am your host, Julie DeMar, and this week I am here with a very special guest. I have Mr. George Gonzalez here. We are going to talk about his book, Answer the Call. He is going to let us know what specifically led him not only to write this book, but to the title of this book. George, thank you for being here with me today. Thank you so much for inviting me. You are welcome. Can you please begin like by just sharing with the audience um, a little bit about yourself and what things in your life led you to this point? Well, um, I'm a published author. I published my book in 2021 during the pandemic, and it's called Answer the Call. And Answer the Call is about finding your gifts, your talents, and pursuing your life's purpose. That's what that means. Uh, I'm also an inventor of a batting machine that we call the Batting Pro that uh, my daughter is the co-inventor, and she was uh, 12 years old when we came up with the idea. Uh, I'm also a real estate agent and a public speaker uh, going to colleges, universities to motivate and inspire the next generation. Uh, as far as what led me into this journey, I've always felt like there was a bigger calling on my life that I felt that I was here for something big, something special, something much bigger than me. I just didn't know what that looked like. But when I did write the book, everything started making sense. Motivating and inspiring the next generation, that is my calling. That is my purpose. So when you began writing your book, like what was that experience like for you? How did you feel as you were going through the process and as all these different revelations in your life were being made? At the beginning of it, I almost felt like I was uh, had the, that imposter syndrome. You know, little old me is writing a book. I'm sharing these stories and the self-doubt try to creep in. But then I remembered that the stories that I'm talking about and I share are stories that I really hold dear to my heart. You know, the foundation of my family, my grandfather, when he migrated from Mexico to the United States back in World War II under this program called the Bracero Program, which is a work agreement between the United States and Mexico. And that's when he came here to the United States. And when I first learned about this uh, sacrifice, it just humbled me in such a way. I knew that it was something big that I wanted to do and just use my grandfather's sacrifice as the foundation for anything that can create in his honor. So that was one of the biggest things that, that I was dealing with at the very beginning. When we had our pre-interview, you were uh, speaking about how like there are a lot of things in your life that you didn't remember. But as you started the process of writing your book, it was almost like um, a highlight reel. Things mm -hmm. started coming to you and you started remembering different things that you experienced in your life. What was that like for you? When I wrote the book and it, it went live, it's almost like I got access to parts of my life that they were blocked. They were somewhat hidden for some reason. It, but then I realized why they were hidden. I realized that I had some traumas that... Uh, I believe that my creator, that God was protecting me so it wouldn't traumatize me in such a way that I would become this dark individual. Like, of course, we all know that there's a lot of, you know, people that would be really dark because they hold their journey and their pains as anger and bitterment and this negative energy. And I, I believe that God protected me so I wouldn't have that. But then he gave me access to be able to see it, to remember that so I can talk about the stories and that we are protected, that we're not by ourselves, that we are being carried. And as many times as we feel that we're alone, we're not alone. He's here. He says the final say. When you said a lot of things were revealed to you as you were writing the book in our pre-conversation, it made me think about myself. I was like, oh gosh, I'm like the polar opposite. I remembered everything in great detail. Like this just happened to me a couple of days ago. My dad sent me a picture. Mm -hmm. I was like, 
Oh, I remember that place. It was like our, it was like a, a old duplex we lived in. And he sent me an old school picture of it that I don't know where he got it from. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember that place. And he's like, calls me like what? And I was like, yeah, remember I had text him. Remember when you and Fuzzy, that was like a nickname for one of my cousins. Remember when the bat got in the house and you and Fuzzy were chasing it around with the tennis racket, trying to get it out. And me and Ma were locked <laughs> in the bathroom. He's like, how do you remember that? You were like three or four. And I was like, I remember everything. Like, not like in, I, I don't know, like in like a linear thing. Yeah. Where it's like from start to finish. But I remember like very specific things and they're very vivid. And there's there's like all the details are there. It put me in a different space than you. It actually made me dark. It made me angry and made mm -hmm. me violent. Mm -hmm. It made me very disrespectful with my words and treatment of other people. And I spent a lot of time just being nasty and hurting other people because I was carrying so much pain. Yeah. And then it took me like becoming a mom to be like, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to treat my kids like this. I don't want to treat people like this. And to start coming out of it and to start talking about it. So it was like when you were telling your story during our pre-interview, I was like, Wow. You know, and I was like the opposite side, but I feel like it's that part where God lets you experience things and brings you through things so I can sit here and I can have that conversation from the other side of the fence, because it's also that turning point. Like you don't have to stay like that. You don't exactly. have to be like that. You can definitely make the choice. Like you said, we have free will. You can make the choice to be like a better person and to treat people better and to be better to yourself and to the world. So I just thought I'd share that with you today. <laughs> that's that's amazing. So like a lot of um things when you're writing your book, obviously, like a lot of trauma and things like that probably came up when those mm -hmm. things started happening. How would how did you deal with that? I, I feel like I believe that we've all heard that you should always talk about it, get it off your chest. Right. I mean, it'll make you feel better. We, we've all heard that. But um, when literally when you do put it down on paper and you start writing it and for just a small little period of time, you feel that pain again. But then when you realize I survived it, the pain goes away, you know, and I think that a lot of people are scared to talk about certain things or to face them, to talk about them, to put them in front of you again, to see, does this really have control over me or not? Am I in control or my past in control? And I think when we realize it, I'm in control. These things no longer affect me the way they affect me when they first happened. But here I am fearful of not bringing these things up, thinking that it's going to pull me back in that place where I don't want to be at anymore. And I think that was one of the major things that came out for me. My father was an alcoholic. You know, uh, this accident that I had with my hand that I almost bled to death between two and four years old. You know, these were traumatic events and not realizing that. And then my father getting six months to live. And I had to tell him that when he was 45 and I was only 25 myself. You know, these are all traumatic events that But when I wrote about them and then I started speaking about them, I realized they don't have control over my life. I have control and I'm going to use these experiences to bring good to other people and hopefully uh, prevent people from going into the substance problem where their kids are not collateral damage to the pain, the suffering, when these people are our people, our parents, our loved ones, they pass away and then we're left with the pain. So that's what really helped me overcome that. And it almost sounds like everything came so fast and I just, I got pulled out. It was a very remarkable experience. Very remarkable. I feel like what you're just explaining to me is something that's very like unique and very uh, special. And I know you said that you always felt like you were special. 
from when you were a child? Like, can mm -hmm. you explain that more, elaborate on on that there, experience as well? There, there's times where, uh, many times where I share my baby pictures on social media, right? And there, my hair is all messed up. I had a lot of hair and uh, I'm all dirty because we're, we're, we're children and we have food all over us and whatnot. And I'm not embarrassed of that. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed of how I look as a child. But what I do see in the eyes of the child, I see this fearless kid that knows that he's much more. That's what I see in that small child. And I see him standing with this firm stand like this. He's about to conquer the world. So I love showing those pictures because I remember that. I remember having those feelings like I can do anything I want. If I put my mind to it, I know that I'm here for something big and I know God, I know that I feel special and I know God feels that I am special because he created me. Every time I talk about it, it just makes me warm and fuzzy. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. I see. Cause you just little talking about it. You, yeah. just, you smile yeah. in your face, your whole face, your mouth, your eyes, every single thing. Being a mom, like I see like the fearlessness and the safeness and the happiness in my kids when I look at them so like I I understand that feeling from like being a mom like I don't necessarily understand it from my childhood but being able to have that opportunity to like relive that by seeing them be happy and be fearless like my baby he's two he climbs on everything he jumps off of everything he runs toward like there's no like I say my oldest Elijah is cautious He's always like, he's the, no, maybe we shouldn't do that. That doesn't look safe. And my youngest Zion, he's like, let's climb up to the top. Let's see. Let's see how far we can go. Let's, let's get up there. And then let's see if we can jump down. Like he's, and I, I feel like they're going to balance each other the later in life they get, because if there is some, some hesitation on Elijah's part, Zion will probably motivate him to be like, Hey brother, it's okay. You know, like, don't be afraid let's keep going and if it's something that may be unsafe Elijah will be that voice of reason where he's like hey I know like you can probably conquer this but maybe we shouldn't right now because that doesn't look like a good idea and I don't want mom to kill us like maybe it'll <laughs> the pastor at my kid's school actually like shared that with me when we were having a conversation about them one day when we were out on the playground and I was like I never thought of it from that perspective I always like see that in them but I never looked at it as like, oh, wow, like they'll they'll balance each other in positive ways in which one is a little bit afraid of. The other one may encourage him in which one is not afraid of. The other one may be like, hey, uh -uh, it's not a good idea right now. Let's go talk to mom first. Like, <laughs> I really love like seeing that smile jump across your face because like I see that smile in my kids and seeing that smile in them like makes me feel like, OK, I'm breaking that generational trauma. And yes. ending those cycles by allowing them to have a childhood, which is like important, I feel like for every single child. So your book, mm -hmm. Answer the Call, is something that motivates people to overcome and to step into their purpose. What advice do you give about overcoming your generational trauma and, you know, healing from that so that you can be who God intended you to be? Well, the way I see that as far as generational traumas and whatnot, just because my family did certain things a certain way doesn't mean that I'm supposed to do them the same way, right? 
Now, as far as the foundation, as long as the foundation is there, the culture is there, the love is there, the uh, family values are there, I can still do things differently. They might call me crazy. They might say, oh my God, he's going off the rail here. But they don't understand what God put in my heart. And they definitely can't understand what God put in my mind, the visions and when I, the ideas, the knowing that he's given me. You know, I've always believed that I was the weird, ugly duckling in the family. I've always believed that I was that. You know, and sometimes it was a little depressing, but sometimes I also thought that I was making things up in my head, but I wasn't. I know what I know. And when I try to explain something to them, they don't understand it because they don't see what I see. They don't feel what I feel, that I'm special. They don't feel that. I feel that. So it's like they're seeing it from the outside looking in. I'm seeing it from the inside looking out. And I, I would always tell my family, you know, just because you did it that way doesn't mean that I'm supposed to do it that way. It's funny because I tell my mom all the time, I go, mom, you gave birth to me. I get that. But I am God's child and I'm here to do what God tells me to do. I have to be obedient. And when she, when I say stuff like that, she just looks at me like with the stare. like, what is he talking about? You know, but that's because she's not as committed as I am to my own purpose because she doesn't understand it because it was given to me for a reason. And I love my mom and I love all my family members, but I know they don't understand what I'm going through sometimes. And I don't try to explain it to them. I just tell them that, you know, God's got me. You know, God, God willing, I'm going to be okay. God's got me. I'm being obedient to him. And that's who I have to put first is him and then everybody else including my own daughter, you know, and I tell my daughter the same thing. I go, baby, you do what God asks you to do because he comes first. She's like, daddy, I don't want to, I don't want to disappoint him. And I don't want you to either. Listen to what he puts in your heart and listen to what, what he gives you. And if you feel that this is something positive, it's going to change the world. It's going to be love, compassion, and whatnot, then that's him telling you that. If you hear any negativity of anything at all, that's the enemy trying to sabotage you. Don't let that happen. And don't let me also plan anything that's not of you and is not of God either. So I don't tell my daughter what to do. I lead by example. And then I don't tell her, baby, you should do this, this. No, I'll let her go through things. And then she, we'll meet up or whatever. We'll talk. She'll call me or whatever. And then she'll say, dad, um, I'm going through this, 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 and that. I I'm silent. And then when she's done, sometimes she's been vents and yells and screams and whatnot. And she's dad, what do you think, dad? I always say, look, baby, this is your decision. This is your life. This is me from the outside looking in. You're the inside looking out. This is your life. But this is how I see it. But this is my opinion. My opinion does not bear more weight than what your decision and what your opinions are. And, and, and feel who's leading you there. I'm just like a counsel. But you don't have to take my opinion for more than what yours is. I don't want you to do that. So that's how I raised her. And, and I talk about that in my book also because I have a chapter specifically uh, with my daughter in mind in my book. That's actually really beautiful. That actually brings me to what you said. I'm quoting you. When you said, no matter what you have endured, you stayed positive because God gave you a pure heart. And because of that, you could not be dark. Can you talk about that? There was many times where I would pray, I would cry, I was stressed out, worried. All that pain, it wouldn't make me stay angry. There was times where I would pray, I would have a conversation, and then I would doubt some things and I would, I would say them out loud. But that wouldn't last more than less than a few seconds. And then my heart was at peace. 
And when I meet people and they say, George, you've gone through all these things, but yet you smile, you laugh, you're good to people, you're giving, you're caring, you're always helping. How is that possible? And then I tell them, because God is keeping my heart pure. Because he's got a plan for me. And if my heart is not pure, and if it's dark, I can't do what I'm meant to do with a dark heart. You have to be in such peace to be able to give back without receiving. And that's a big uh, problem for a lot of people that they're like, okay, well, if I give you this, what do I get in return? Mm -hmm. For me, it's like, oh my God, I'm so stressed out. I can't figure this out. Well, have you tried this, 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 and this? Oh my God, that works. Where'd you get this? Oh, I paid like $1,000 for that. I paid like $3,000 for that information. It's like, and you gave that to me for free. I was like, I'm not going to let you struggle. You were struggling with that. There's stuff that I've learned and I've paid a lot of money for. Some of that stuff I'm supposed to give away for free with conversations. Here we are interacting with each other. You're dealing with this thing. I have a solution to that problem. Guess what? I gave you this, the, the solution and you fixed it. I didn't fix it. You fixed it with what I gave you. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like, what now you, owe me, now you owe me $500. It's not that. It's like, I know that if I give enough, God's going to give me and provide for me when that time comes many, many times over. And I'm not doing it for that reason, but I, I feel that in my heart that he's going to reward me for the good deeds that I do. I agree. I agree with that so much. I think that's why this show is like so important because like it offers a space for these kind of conversations and for these kind of resources and help. Because there's so many people out there who need something and they may feel alone or they may not know how to start the conversation or who to have the conversation with or even where do I go? There's like an abundance of just, you can go to Google, I need help. (laughs) I need help with this, like a thousand things are going to pop up and you like, okay, so where do I start in this 1000? So like, that's why I love having these conversations, bringing guests like yourself on the show, because then I feel like we're kind of making that that search a little bit smaller it's like right here for you you can you can hear the conversation you can go get resources we provide and it gives you like that first step Mm -hmm. in the in in the direction that you're supposed to be going so um i love that you said last time we talked that everybody who's who's ready to hear it will hear it the people that want to listen are going to listen and like i really do feel like that and you know what? And it's funny that you say that because, I mean, I'm not talking about religion here, but but it's also biblical. People that are ready to hear, are ready and able to hear a message will hear the message. If you're not ready for the hearing message, you're not going to hear it. Regardless, if they even write it for you, you're, you're just not going to, you're not ready for that yet. But it's that moment when you're truly ready. I was like, wait a minute. This has been in my bedroom for like five years. I never got that from that. I didn't ever got that message. And that message never made me feel this way. But all of a sudden, five years later, that message that you read or that quote, it penetrated your heart and your soul. And you're like, oh my God, I have to do more now. I have to give more now because this is how I'm going to be fulfilled. But yet five years ago, that same quote didn't trigger that because you weren't ready. And this has happened to me many times where I go through a process and I'm not ready for it. I learn it. I understand it, but I don't feel it. But the moment that life happens and all of a sudden I'm going through something again. And for whatever reason, I'll pick up the same material or I'll watch the same type of video. And all of a sudden 
like this explosion and everything comes together, similar to when I wrote the book, that I was given access to everything behind me, similar to that. And I was like, oh my God, he's leading me. I am being led. He is carrying me. I'm not here by myself. I thought I was by myself. Oh no, I am not by myself. We are not by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then he'll put people like yourself with me and me with you. Here we are doing a podcast. Now we're going to reach tons and tons and tons of people with this podcast now. And once you uh, commit yourself to that process, other people will reach out to you. Other podcasters, other guests are going to reach out to you. And now it's like this, like you said earlier, it's like this big old thing coming together. You know, we're, we're getting all the, all the ingredients together and we're about to make up this powerful dish. That brings me to purpose. And how do you, how do you break down purpose in your, in your book? Purpose is uh, not as complicated as people think. Uh, because of course my book is called Answer the Call. It's about finding your gifts, your talents, and your life's purpose. And I've had people look at me straight in the eye and say, George, I don't have a gift. I don't have a talent and I sure as heck don't know what my purpose is. I ask a couple simple questions. What do you love to do? What makes you happy? If money was not an option, what would you do for the rest of your life if money was not an option? And then I look in the eyes with the stare and then I see their eyes wide up. And it says, George, that's not possible. What is not possible? What just came to me right now? What came to you? I think I figured it out. You don't got to tell me what it is. You know, because... Society has made us believe that a hobby is just a hobby. A hobby is not a hobby. A hobby is a gift and it's a talent. I cannot, I don't know how to paint. I don't know how to draw. I don't know how to write music. I don't know how to sing. I don't know none of that. So people that do that, that is not a hobby. That's a gift and that's a talent. As far as your purpose is concerned, how can you find out uh, finding ways of how to monetize that and maybe planting seeds with other people and sharing that passion that you have for. I mean, you, maybe you ex ins inspire somebody else to buy their first crayons or their first pencils and the first um, notebooks and start writing music and whatnot, the first microphone, because we're here to serve. We're here to inspire other people. And that's what the purpose is at. So stop believing society that it's just a hobby. It's not a hobby. It's a gift or it's a talent, or it's even both. Can I share a story with you? Absolutely. My mom used to have like these big, you know, the old school camcorders with the videotape and mm -hmm. all that. And she used to carry it like everywhere, family events, all this yeah. stuff. And she used to record everything. <laughs> so when I was in film school, I was doing a documentary about my life and documentary about like, I come from this big church family. So I was going through all the tapes, trying to find all of my, you know, church performances and things like that. Because at that time, I left being an actress and a model. And I was like, I'm going to film school. Because I was like, I'm going to affect change in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't like the condition and the roles for women, especially women of color. So I'm like, I'm going to change that. And I'm going to be a director and a producer. Back to school I go. So I go to film school. And they're like, we want you to do an assignment where you do a documentary about your life. So I'm like, okay. At that time, I thought like, this is my purpose. I'm supposed to be this, this big time director where I change the narrative in Hollywood. So as I'm going through these tapes saying like, hey, I started performing in church. I started, you know, doing like the Easter programs and the all that stuff. So I'm going through these tapes and I start to notice the older I got, 
my mom wasn't the camera person in the tapes anymore. It was me recording my mom, recording, you know, the choir singing, recording everybody at church, recording, you know, the big events and Sundays. And I, I don't even remember doing that. All the things that I remember, I did not remember ever holding a camera, ever recording anything. I only can remember my mom carrying this big giant camera around. And at some point I picked that camera up and started making all the church films. You were the director. I was, and I did not. So then I'm in film school. Like I had this giant revelation, like, oh my gosh. Cause I ended up falling in love with creating behind the scenes, writing, producing, directing, editing, like all these different things, like way more than being an actress, way more than being a model. Like I felt like I had the ability to create more and affect more from this angle. Mm -hmm. But I didn't, I never felt that until I was sitting in the lab with th this tape deck thing that you got to plug into the computers and you got to, it literally digitizes in real time. So if the tape was an hour, I had to sit there for an hour for it to transfer from VHS to, yeah. to digital form. And as I'm listening to like all these sermons for my grandfather and listening to like me talking like, hey, get out the camera and all this, like, I'm literally like... <laughs> When did I start doing this again? When did I start holding a camera? And now, like, over off to the side, you guys can't see it. I got a stack of cameras. And I do, you know, I do this podcast, but I still film short films and, you know, things like that. I had no idea what I was doing back then. And I couldn't even remember doing it. So, like, yeah, you just, you never know. Like, I feel like sometimes things are also revealed to you in the time when you're ready for it. Like, because as much I, as I remember, I I didn't remember that. That's what I said earlier. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, things reveal itself when we're ready to get them revealed to us. Yeah, I, I agree with you with that 100%. That that exactly that happened to me. I remember that happening to me in film school. Here's a story for you. I was looking for podcasters, right? Latino, Hispanic, Mexican-American podcasters. And I find a Facebook page that's called Chicano Hollywood. Chicano Hollywood is obviously Mexican-Americans in Hollywood bringing themselves together to tell our own stories and share our culture from our hearts, from our minds, from our experiences, and not let somebody else that doesn't know the culture talk about our stories that they don't even know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. So I went to an event and I met actors, actresses, producers, writers, directors, and it was just overwhelming that I felt like, oh my God, all these people are trying to put the same message about our culture, our experiences, because we're not just the gang members in the movies. That's not who we are. We pass through there, but that's not who we are. We have family values. We have amazing, amazing holidays together, amazing stories, uh, amazing struggles that we overcome. All of us do. And these are the stories that we're supposed to be sharing with people so they can see like the people that look like me and you, we go through this stuff, but guess what? At the very end, they live happily ever after. They did succeed. That trauma, that journey, that ugly tra traumatic event didn't kill them. It made them stronger and made them this amazing gentlemen, uh, madams of society. Mm -hmm. Those are the stories that we're supposed to tell. So by you doing what you're doing now, that's amazing. So we're headed in the same direction. See that? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's crazy because I didn't even know that. Look. I mean, when when you brought that up, it, it just reminded me of that. I was like, oh my God, that's an amazing story. You know? 
Yeah, because like yeah, the the stories that that's like a whole nother episode. But yeah, the the stories that they they tell and the characters for uh black and brown. Oh yeah, are they're they're so um false or like stereotypical or like caricatures. Yeah, of of us, and it's it's not right. It's not fair. Like, and if you if you only remember every time I get angry, but you forget to mention every time I loved on you. That's a problem mm-hmm. because I'm you're, you're making it seem like I'm angry all the time and I'm not angry all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just angry because I hit my, my little toe in the bed and all of a sudden you record that you thought that was George, but that's not George. Right. George is the loving kind of guy that he'll see a beautiful flower and say, oh my God, that's a beautiful flower. Hear the birds chirping. Oh my God, that sounds like beautiful music. Why don't you share those, that stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, that's awesome. That's amazing. You know, like that made me think about when you said that, like, even when I was like a, a angry person, like a lot of like people that knew me when I was a little girl and then saw me, you know, as this angry young adult. And then they see me now. They were like, this was always you. This person right now. Yeah. Yeah. This was always you. That yeah. wasn't you. This exactly. right here. This is the little girl I know. This is the woman I knew you would be yeah. like that part of your life. Like that was never who you were. And exactly. like, that was just who you were carrying, but that, and the things you were carrying, but like, once you put that down, like, this is who we always saw. And like, that makes me feel good too, because like, there was a long time where I was like, am I really this, this good person? Or am I the person that can cuss you out? And you know, like I was, I'm tiny. So, you know, like I always had to be good with my words. So they were like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I'm only five, five. So I, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. So you get good with it, but it's yeah. like you're hurting people in the process, you know. George, I'm loving this conversation. I am absolutely. I loved our pre-interview, so I already knew. Look, everybody, during our pre-interview, I'm gonna tell you guys something. I actually had chills, like when we were talking, and I was asking George questions. He literally like jumped through the screen at me. I told my husband, like my husband was like, "How'd your pre-interview go?" And I told him I sat and talked about you for like 45 minutes. Okay, I was don't like, do oh. that. Don't, I was don't like, do like, that. No, I was just saying, like, oh my gosh. I was like, oh my gosh, it was so good. I was like, I was like, I had chills. I was like, I felt everything you were saying. I was like, we like connected. I was like, I know it's gonna be like a strong, good, impactful interview. And he's like, he's like, really? He's like, okay, that's good. You know, that's really good. And I was like, yeah, like, because I have like really great guests that come on the show that you know, share great information and we, we connect, but like, I just, that day I walked away from this conversation, you know, you have like those strong connections and those conversations where you're like, yeah, that one, that one right there. I know the people are going to feel it. Like they, they may connect and feel something from every guest, but I knew like that. I was like, yeah, this is going to be a good one. And, and And those are the people that we have to keep searching for because that's where we make the biggest impact. Mm-hmm. When we co- when we collaborate with with something that connected so much, and I, I believe this is uh, God's God's connections. He's He knows that if you put two people that are in the same mission and the same mindset, the 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 impact that those individuals could make is so massive. You know, yes, some information is supposed to be meant by other people that we meet along the way, but it's something about some when when you bring two people together, like music, like. Let's just say an example, a Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, 50 Cent, Tupac, right? Mm-hmm. You put those people together and it's explosion. Now, had you changed Dr. Dre and put another person in there, we wouldn't have gotten the same results. Mm-hmm. 
it's good, but it's just not great. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we're searching. I think God is also searching for greatness with his children. Are these people ready to meet yet and create such a powerful message and such a powerful podcast or movie or mini series, whatever the case may be, to reach the people that I want them to reach? I believe that we are all meant to reach a certain amount of people. And for myself personally, I want to reach a hundred million people. And just recently, I just, I just came to me was like, you know what? A hundred million people is not enough. I want to reach a billion people. I'm like, okay, well, whew, that's like 10 times, right? So how am I going to do that? More podcasts, a mini series, a movie of my book, the journey, the stories. Remove my name from them. I don't care about my name being a part of it. As long as the stories are told and the impact is made from the stories and the journey that God carried me through. That's the main thing that's important to me. Yeah. I just finished my first book too, George. So when it's when it's ready to go, I'm going to send you a copy. Can you show the title? Yeah, it's called Sink Full of Dishes. I'm sorry? Sink Full of Dishes. Sink Full of Dishes. Yep. So, yeah, it's kind of that. It that. sounds like a, it sounds like a, there's a powerful message behind that. There is. It's about all the, you know, like, cause you hear like the bag lady, like put down all the baggage or put down all this. So I was like that. It's the same kind of, you know, metaphor. It's just yes. that sink full of dishes. That's what I got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Traumatic experiences, drama, and all this other stuff. That's what I'm getting from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to you. I'll send it to you. Maybe who knows, like in the future, you guys, maybe me and Georgia link up and we'll have like a whole mini series or something else going on where hey, don't, we give don't great da- messages to the people. Hey, don't doubt that. Don't doubt no, that I'm sure not. That. You know, your message is in line from what I talk about in my book, because it's when you when you release those things and what you uncover is mind blowing what you uncover when you release these things. It's powerful. Mm. And people need to know what that feels like. I always like tell people like it you start to feel free. Yes. Like there, yes. I was like, when I say like it's so free, like I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about like how your spirit feels, how like your mind feels, how your body feels. Like there's like no stress, no headaches, no anxiety, no like all these different things that like literally attack your systems and have you just feeling like, what am I gonna do? Like it's just, it starts to fade away and you feel so light and so free and so beautiful. Since you're talking about that subject, on a previous podcast, somebody asked me because I told them that sometimes I see things in people. Mm-hmm. And she asked me, what do you see in me? And I told her, I see a lot of darkness. And she's like, what? So yeah, your, your face, your complexion, your skin color, there's a lot of darkness there. You're not glowing. That means there's something that's holding you, has a, a, ho- a hold over you, and it's, there's some darkness attached to you like a magnet. What I see from you when you say stuff like that, you glow. Like I've been told that I glow, I see the glow in you as well. I see peace over you is what I see. And it makes perfect sense because everything you just said. Thank you. It, it took a lot of work to get here. I'm still working. <laughs> it's, not e- it's, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. No. But it's worth it. Yeah, it is. It's worth it. You know how, um, like, you can make biblical references. You can, like, you know, make quotes. How it's like you're not supposed to look back. Mm-hmm. Like once, like you address it, you acknowledge it. You, you know, don't run from it. You know, you resolve it and you move forward. Like 
I had a, like a, maybe it's not that long ago, like six months ago, I had a conversation where I was like, I woke up one day and was like, I'm never going back to that. I don't care how challenging things get. I don't care where we end up. I'm never going back to that. We were talking about being comfortable because you know how like a lot of people just don't change because they're so comfortable, even if that space that they're in is a, was it like a negative space or it's not a space that's serving them or the people around them, Mm -hmm. they'll still stay there because it's so familiar and they're so afraid of what's outside of it and they don't realize how detrimental it is. So like, that's why I was like, I don't care what happens. I know what that looks like and I don't want it. I don't want it. When I got divorced uh, about 10, 11 years ago, they thought I was going to be like in this place forever. So when they see me, even though I'm I'm single right now, they don't understand the peace over me. They don't get it. But that's because I'm not with a toxic individual. That's because I'm not with somebody that doesn't belong to me. I'm not with somebody that's not good for me and good for my purpose. So when I when they tell me that and I ask them, so how are you doing? And then I'll, I won't, I won't don't tell them this, but, but then I see this darkness over them as well, too. I know they're not happy, but they're comfortable where they're at. And that comfort will one day get you killed, is that comfort. You got to remove yourself out there because comfortable sometimes is these painful situations. Like having uh, a pebble in your, in your shoe, in your socks or whatever, and just walking, it'll make a huge hole. It'll, be, it'll make it get it infected. Or somebody gives you, or you accidentally put the shoes on the wrong side, you're still walking, you have shoes, but it's uncomfortable. You keep that up, it's what's going to happen. You're going to have crooked feet. So just because it might feel good at the beginning, sometimes you don't notice that things are starting to feel bad, and we're starting to look bad physically, like you said, but it's going to kill us at some point. Mm-hmm. Quietly, but it's going to kill us. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah the saddest situations I've seen like with leaving watching like the older generation and my family move on is knowing that they didn't give themselves that chance before like they got called away from this world like Mm -hmm. it's like gosh man and this is just you know me speaking like from my own perspective but I don't think that people realize you can fight through these traumatic toxic dysfunctional relationships remain in them get up go to work you know do all the things you do every single day and like live in what i believe is hell living in those situations Mm -hmm. where you're not happy and you know there's these endless trauma cycles being repeated do you know how strong you you are to even like function (laughs) with that madness so if you step away from it can you imagine what you can do with that strength and with that power and to watch people live in that and then die that way instead of taking that power that they have taking that resilience that they have that they don't know they have they haven't recognized it or tapped into it yet yeah to like watch people live like that and then die and never experience living whole in that way that's when i get sad when i see people move on because i'm like wow some people, some people will never know what true love is. No, they would never experience it because they think you ask your partner, "Can you bring me a, a glass of water?" Or whatnot? He's like, "You got two feet, you can get it yourself." But then you find somebody that goes to the kitchen and says, "Baby," looks back, says, "Baby, would you like a glass of water?" 
oh yes, thank you so much for thinking about. Like those two experiences are so different, but people won't know that until they have it. But we, we're so comfortable. This is the way we saw. We think this is okay. It's not okay. It's not. We need to have some dignity ourselves, men and women, because it, it goes both ways here, you know, and understand that there is better, you know. It, but I think it all comes down to having faith and knowing that you are special and not let anyone ever make you anything less than special. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. <laughs> That will bring me to asking you, what advice would you give to anyone listening today that is feeling hesitant to like address things and start their journey? When I was at the, what I believed was the bottom, I told myself, is this all they have? Is this all the enemy has? Is this all that life has? That they don't have the power to destroy me, but to put me into this place. The only where I can go from here is up. It's only greatness. It's creating something, innovating something, and becoming the person that I've always known that I could be. Because if you ever had, or if I ever had a fear that life was going to take me out, it didn't. Because I don't belong to life and I don't belong to the enemy. I belong to my creator and I'm not clocking out until he says that I'm done. And when I'm done, I'm going to leave with so much peace because I know that I did exactly what I was meant to do in this life. So I'm ready for the next life. So I would say is believe in yourself with all your heart. Never give up and understand that if you do go through some traumatic events, some struggles in your life, understand this, that there's something greater for you on the other side of this. If, if there wasn't, this wouldn't be in front of you, but it's trying to deter you. It's trying to slow you down. It's trying to stop you from achieving what's on the other side. And only, you, only you're going to know what's on the other side. Just like I knew what it was. I knew for me, when I came out of it, I was going to be a great mom. I knew in that becoming a great mom, I knew I had to fix a lot of things in me. So like, I knew I was going to be a great Julie. Mm -hmm. I was going to be confident. I was going to be fearless. You know, I was going to be stronger and more creative. Like I knew like all these different things because they were already there. I was already doing the things. I was doing the things angry. I was making movies angry. I was, <laughs> you know, I was <laughs> in big ad mm -hmm. campaigns angry. Like, so it's like, I knew like when I was happy, I was going to be better. And I was going to be so much better for me and for the boys and even for my husband. Mm -hmm. And like, I knew I was going to keep growing and I knew I wasn't going to be stopped. Yeah. Like, it's so like, that's what happened for me. So I hope that everyone that just heard your words understand like something great is also going to happen for you. What you just said for your children that you had to become a better you, better version of you. Legacy is not just building an empire, building monetary gain. That's that's not a legacy. what a legacy is. A legacy is what you just created for your children. But because, because they get to see a version of you that they might have missed out on. So now when they get into a relationship, they're going to remember, my mama was this way. She was caring. She was giving. She was nurturing. And this is what I expect for my partner now. Had, this, had that been flipped 
negative, mean, angry, then they would think my mama was like this. That means my wife's supposed to be that way too. And they would never feel or know what true love is, what real compassion is, and what real partner means. And that is the legacy, mm -hmm. the, 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 the structure of a family. That is a legacy. Yeah. I congratulate you for that. Thank you. It's hard work, baby. Listen. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Five and two. They take me out every day. <laughs> every day when I hit the bed, I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, they won. They won. They got me again. I got them on Saturday, though. I took them out. And I kept them out for like four hours. They came in the house and they crashed. And I was like, yeah, mom won today. But. <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 beautiful. I I became all the things that I wanted mm -hmm. instead of holding on to those things and being angry with people about like, well, you weren't this kind of parent to me, or you weren't this kind of friend to me, or you weren't this kind of you know family member to me. I became that friend, that mother, that family member, and I also limited you know my circle and the people that had access to me so i don't let the people that are you know that hurt me around me no. or my kids no so like my circle may have got smaller but the love grew so but it's smaller but it's stronger mm -hmm. huge difference mm -hmm. it sure is we're, we're, we're only as strong as our weakest link so the more we have that means there's a lot of weak people in there mm -hmm. that's not that's not safe for us yeah Oh, George. So, okay. Let's tell, I want you to tell the readers, like the listeners, because I want listeners understand today, I want you to become readers of this book. So I'm going to say, what do you want to tell the readers and the listeners? What, what would you like them to take away from this story, from your story? I want them to understand that answer the call is about finding your gifts, your talents and pursuing your life purpose. And that's a call that was given to me by my creator. So it's not my message. I don't take credit for it. But I also want you to know that you can download my book for free on Kindle if you have a Kindle account. There's three versions for my book. There's a free version, a paid version, and then a paperback version. And I always like to promote the free one because I believe that if I can put this, this, uh, this, my, the stories, the journey, and the message in more hands, I can make a bigger impact than just trying to sell my book. So if you have the ability to, to download for free, please download for free. Uh, if you don't are not able to, I, I would completely, uh, what's the word, be thankful and grateful that you would pick it up if, if it does cost you a few dollars. But but that's uh, a free copy of my book is definitely available. And I will also be posting all that information on my um, resource page of my website. So everyone, here I go again, selectivehearingshow.com now has a resource page and you can go there and um, click on resources and you can find all of this information on that page. And it's also in the show details. So just click that drop down tag and you will find all this information as well. So I have to ask you the big show question. And it is, what does selective hearing mean to you? Selective hearing means to me is that I choose to only hear what's beneficial to me. If it ain't beneficial to me, I'm not hearing it. So my selective hearing for me, if it's positive, if I'm being guided to something uh, where I'm giving back, uh, 
or helping in some way, shape, or form, that's what I'm doing. I don't care about everything else. So I don't care about everything that I hear. I'm only listening to the positive and to the good. Amen to that. George, thank you for being here with me today. Thank I told you, you so this was going to be a good conversation, y'all. I knew it. Thank you so much for inviting me today. You're welcome. And everyone, I will be back next week. So until next time, this is Selective Hearing.